if you've seen any of my previous content. I hate to say I told you so, but... Don't look. Don't look at me. I don't wish to be perceived. Ooh. Ah! This was my biggest conflict. This was absolutely my biggest conflict. What's up, Avatar gang? Welcome to Gang Gang, the low-key podcast that will be covering the world of Avatar The Last Airbender for as long as I feel like it. I'm Delia, and today I'm going to be giving you, hopefully, a spoiler-free guide to answer the question of whether you should watch the new Avatar The Last Airbender live action on Netflix. There has been just a little bit, just like a wee bit of discourse online about the show from people who went in skeptical, watched two episodes and decided that was enough to stop watching. And I do think folks should DNF way more often than they do. You'll have a better time, I promise. I'm not trying to convince anyone who didn't like it to like it. What I don't think is okay, just like with books, is that people are giving full reviews of the show who did not finish it. The good news is I have finished. So I'm going to give you one fan's perspective on the characters, a few takes I've seen floating around online. Mind you, I have tried to avoid most commentary around the show. So I will be giving my thoughts on a few takes I've seen floating around online and whether the story is as bad as all of the articles said it was going to be. If you've seen any of my previous content, I hate to say I told you so, but... So we're not gonna have an avatar state of the union today. We are just gonna get right on into it. To determine whether or not you should watch the live action Avatar The Last Airbender adaptation on Netflix, we're gonna keep score. Everyone is going to start it with six points. That's the easiest way to do this. So take your little six points. You've obtained six points, good for you. And for each item on this list that applies to you at the end of the section, Remove a point. We are going to go through each item and then I'm going to give my take based on what I saw within the show. No spoilers. And at the end of it, if that item still applies to you, subtract a point. And at the end, we will tally our scores and I will tell you if you need to watch Avatar The Last Airbender on Netflix. So to kick us off, number one, you think the original story as told in the animated series was perfect. The story that is being presented within the Netflix adaptation is exactly what Albert Kim set out to do. In his IGN interview, if you haven't seen my previous videos, go go watch those, but I will restate it here. He states they had to quote, pull apart all of those storylines and see how the narrative threads lay and then weave them together into a much more of a serialized drama end quote, in regards to taking the story from the animation, which especially in the first season, as we talked about, is more episodic in nature and bringing it to this serialized drama format. So yes, there were indeed changes made. However, in my opinion, having watched the entire series, I don't think it compromises the integrity of the original show. If anything, I would say it shows a great understanding of the lore and world of Avatar The Last Airbender, not just the original animated show. So I think they're pulling from the comics. They're pulling from the book series. They're pulling from things that Michael DiMartino and Brian Konietzko, who are the original creators of the show, have said. I think they are very well versed in this world. And I think that comes through very much in the show. The changes that they did make are mostly creative decisions to reorganize a storyline for this medium. Just like Albert Kim said, that reflects episode to episode. Of course, these decisions aren't without consequences. If you're a creative, whether you're a writer, and basically any storyteller, I am not a painter or anything, like none of this art is mine. So I don't know if this applies to visual mediums like that. But if you are a storyteller, no creative decision is without consequences. So there are some decisions that they make throughout the series that I'm like, okay, I see why you did it. I think that's a valid choice to make. 
What are we going to do with these consequences down the line? Or some consequences pop up earlier on. And again, often these changes are very much still rooted in the deeper lore of the Avatar world. And, you know, I really, like I said, I'm not trying to engage with so many hot takes online because honestly, that's not even how I want to conduct my fandom. Like, I really want to stay in my in my happy little bubble with my friends. But, you know, algorithms love to serve as the hottest of hot takes, even if you don't want to see them. So if you too have seen takes saying, show bad, show very bad, a lot of them that I have seen are based on, like I said, the first episode or two. And the show does take a couple of episodes to find its legs. So if you dropped out after two episodes and you're like, it wasn't good. I don't know why she's even making this list. Just say it's not good. Be done. The first two episodes are the roughest episodes of the series. I don't know that the episodes in and of themselves are bad, but I did walk away from the first two episodes like, hmm. Okay, let me sit with this for a little bit. But even then, as I predicted in my level setting video, link down below, none of the reasons why the first couple of episodes struggle have anything to do with all of the rage baiting reasons that article said and the fandom then got a little bit carried away by. None of those issues. The issues I saw present in the first two episodes that made me kind of like, oh, I'm gonna finish this, but I don't, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. There were pacing issues. There were some odd performances I think I that's the best way to put it there were some odd performances and there was some tonal confusion which I think is consistent with some of the things people said online but what I was seeing online was like we were right it is bad but that's not true because that suggests that the rage baiting was correct and the rage baiting is in no way correct none of it the Sokka rage baiting the Aang rage baiting the Game of Thrones affying of it none of that was correct if you didn't like these two episodes or even the series in general, they are decoupled. So let's be clear, pacing issues, odd performances, some tone confusion, none of the rage baiting. The weakest creative decisions for me were, again, early on and often with Zuko and Iroh storylines. Again, there is no spoilers here, but at times it was pretty clunky how they were riding to get these characters where they needed to be both physically and emotionally for the plot. Whenever we switched to Zuko and Iroh's storyline, I'm like, okay, sure, why not? There was a bunch of suspension of disbelief. And I don't know if that would be true for somebody coming to it not having watched the original series, but those decisions did stick out to me. But that being said, you're not sad when Zuko and I are on screen because let me tell you, Dallas and Paul's performances more than make up for it, we will get there. As the story progresses though, we get past those first couple episodes, that little hurdle, almost all of the potential issues I saw either resolve themselves or proved to either be good decisions or to not really be very impactful to the story. So you gotta get past the first two episodes if you're feeling hesitant. And you know, maybe you're thinking, well, shouldn't it be great off the bat? I feel like streaming culture has really, it's just messed up how we see shows. Like the whole work has to be flawless, but that's just not usually how it works. Like every show has seasons that struggle, episodes that struggle, that fall flat. I mean, The Great Divide in the original series, not a standout, not a standout episode in the original series. So, you know, I don't think it necessarily in and of itself is a red flag that the first two episodes weaker. But again, like I said, by episode three, I was 100% plugged in. And mind you, I took a break between episode one and two. I watched episode one and two, and then I took a step back because I knew needed to get my thoughts together because I had some concerns. And then later came back and sat down and was like, you know what, let's just do this. I, it's been a day. I'm going to watch the rest of this. Just knock it out so I can get myself together to maybe make some videos on it. And episode three, it made me wish I hadn't have taken a break. Let me tell you that. There are also, on top of people saying it's just bad, 
there are a lot of people saying that the show doesn't really understand Avatar. And I do actually find it really interesting that there are a lot of people coming to completely opposite conclusions. It's just very fascinating to me. I'd love to analyze it more now that I've made this video and I'm not worried about input so much. You know, there are some points I've seen made that I absolutely disagree wholeheartedly, but mostly what I think we're bumping up against is the problem with online discourse around media within reboot culture. Because what is often happening is we decide as viewers whether an adaptation or a reboot captures the essence of the original show and couple it with advice to others about whether or not to watch it. We say, mm, this show does not understand Avatar or mm, these producers did not understand Persuasion, which is a Jane Austen novel and a fairly recent Netflix adaptation. When really what we're actually saying is whether or not the adaptation captures the essence of what the show is for us, like my friend Robin says, none of us are reading the same book. We bring our own experiences to stories that shape our perspective of them. And the same is true of shows. So when I see people saying, this show does not understand Avatar, and then I listen to their reasons, I listened to one or two creators who I really respect in the space, and I was like, I don't think that's the essence of Avatar. I think you're wrong about that. And that's what highlighted to me that I think we all have different ideas of what makes Avatar Avatar. And furthermore, I think when we're giving these opinions, we're forgetting that an adaptation existing doesn't take anything away from the original, whether we like the adaptation or not. So just because I didn't like Netflix's Persuasion, which I really did not like Netflix's Persuasion. you If you know, you know, it was not, in my opinion, very good at all, doesn't mean that persuasion ceases to exist. I still can go watch other adaptations. There's not very many, there needs to be more. I can go read the book still. Persuasion is still there for me to have and to hold. And for those who did like the Persuasion Netflix adaptation, I hope it brings them to more Jane Austen. And I feel like that's what I want for this series. And I feel like that's what the rest of the fandom should focus on instead of just tearing down this adaptation because you personally feel like it didn't personally, you know, capture everything that Avatar was for you when you were 11. How about we see this as the opportunity that it is because it's not a objectively bad, in my opinion. I don't think you could argue that it's objectively bad because it's not. It's entertaining. I've known people who haven't seen the original series who have enjoyed it. So I think this is an opportunity for more fans to come to Avatar. And that's a win. Because for me, at no point did I feel like I wasn't watching Avatar. Even when I was in those first couple of episodes, it did feel distinctly Avatar. I felt like I was in the world. I didn't feel like this was some other fantasy show that is calling things waterbending, but it's not really. Or that you know, these characters on screen are calling themselves Sokka, Aang, and Katara, but I don't see Sokka and Aang and Katara. So when the production states that their goal was to remain authentic to the source material, I think they absolutely do, did that. And on top of that, I was entertained. At no point was I not entertained. I was having a good time. And, you know, I talked to my dad who has not seen the original cartoon or he doesn't remember. I know he watched some with me, but he doesn't remember watching the original cartoon. He went and watched the first couple of episodes and, you know, he said he liked it. And he said when he comes to adaptations, he tries to forget about the original and tries to watch it because the first goal of media is to entertain you. And when he said that, I was like, ah. Oh, that is so true. And I forget that when I come to adaptations as a fan, I need to ask myself first, was I entertained? And so after talking to him, I realized whatever the case may be for those two episodes, I was entertained. Albert Kim states in that IGN interview that I mentioned earlier, this is a remix, not a cover in that you've got to hit a lot of familiar notes, but you can't forget that this is supposed to be a new song, end quote. If all of what I just covered is something that you can vibe with, if you agree with Albert Kim's statement, Keep the point. You get to keep that point. If none of this sways you from the thoughts that the original story was already perfect as is, subtract one point. So number two, we're dealing with characters. You're going to subtract a point after we discuss if the thought of making any changes to your favorite character makes your skin itch 
or you're so personally attached to a character, you don't want to see them in a new light. Regarding the characters, despite what all the press was trying to rage be us into believing, while there are some changes to the characters, because of course there need to be, it's an adaptation, all of the characters are still recognizably our favorite characters. I can say that confidently after having watched the whole series. But after I finished episode two, I was dreading coming here to talk about the characters, especially the gang. There were some performances in general, not just the gang, within the gang and beyond that made me a bit hesitant, as well as some side characters that were, well, they weren't a serve. Let's just say that they were not a serve. <laughs> I talked a big game over the past couple of weeks. I'll link the videos below again about representation, authentic performances, etc. And it really felt like I was gonna, like I was gonna have to eat some words. However, my worries, save for some lingering personal feelings that we will get to, were almost wholly dashed by episode three. So for this section, we're gonna go through some of the characters, not all, to see what these changes entailed. And then at the end, you're gonna decide if you'd subtract a point or not. First, we're gonna start with the gang. You have Gordon who plays Aang, Gyalwandio who plays Katara, and Ian who plays Sokka. Aang, first up, Aang was so Aang. That is the best thing I can say for Aang. Gordon is such a bean. I just, he's so cute. I just, oh, like I, maybe I'm just like in this fandom auntie age now in my fandom auntie era. Like I just wanna squeeze him. He's so freaking cute. And people, the articles, the, them articles were making it seem like they were gonna Game of thrones the whole show, including Aang, and that Aang was going to be just like real dour or something. And they, absolutely not. He's lighthearted. He's very clearly a child. And as soon as I open on him, I'm just like, Ooh. I think I literally, one of my first notes is like Gordon with the heart because just so cute, just so cute. What a little guy. He's just a little guy. Very much recognizably a fun loving child. He is a child with a burden an immense burden at that, but he is a child nonetheless. I will say that the burden does come across a bit more heavy at times than in the animated TV series. But I do think that is due to the effect of it just being a live action. Like, I don't think there's a way they could have written it that wouldn't have seen more heavy just because giving real life emotion in a real life setting it does add some weight. So I don't think that it doesn't serve the medium that we're in, if that makes sense. Next is Katara. She is one of the characters that gave me a bit of hesitation those first couple of episodes because Gyawandio's performance was so confusing to me at first. I have to be honest. It wasn't bad per se. It just was awe. She was coming across so subdued and like unsure of herself, which, you know, Katara of the animated version is not that at all. And I couldn't tell as I was watching the first two episodes, is this intentional directing? Is it an acting choice? Is it bad acting? Or did they literally write her character this way and that there's some sort of arc to it? I obviously was hoping it was meant to be purposeful and actually serving her story, but it was so unclear to me those first two episodes that I, I was a little scared. But thank the spirits, it actually ended up serving her character. Animated Katara is one of my favorite characters of all time. And while Gyawandio's Katara is different than the animated Katara, I love her too. She is very much Katara. There's no question about it. The changes they went with and how Gyawandio made Katara her own 
not only made sense for a character arc in general, like, okay, this could be a character arc. It really served the tone and the story this version of Avatar is trying to tell. So I loved it. I'm sorry for doubting you, Gal and Dio. I won't do it again. <laughs> just hats off. I just, I really think she is great casting for this version of Katara. And I think it's totally fine that there are two versions of Katara, as long as they are serving the core of the character and the core of the character remains very much the same. And now we come to Sokka. Uh, played by Ian Owsley. Mm, don't look, don't look at me. I don't wish to be perceived. Ooh. This was my biggest conflict. This was absolutely my biggest conflict in the first two episodes and and throughout the entire show. Not because he was bad or looked like the Ember Island player Sokka, like you know people have said online, and it's an assertion I definitely disagree with. It was because he was so good. He was honestly some of the best casting as far as personality and skill set. He really felt like Sokka to me in his line delivery, physicality, emotionality, even something about his voice was very Sokka. Like Ian absolutely understood the assignment. And even in the first two episodes, he had me laughing out loud each of the episodes. Like when I was sitting here confused and lost and like, okay, interesting choices. Okay. All right. Interesting. Okay. He would cut through that and I would actually still laugh. Hello? And that's what makes me feel conflicted. Like, I want so badly to give him his flowers because he ate that. Yet, I still have these lingering questions of whether he took the job from an indigenous person. Is he co-opting my heritage? I am Cherokee, if you did not know that. Link to last week's video. Or is he being sincere? This is just me being completely transparent, completely honest about my feelings after watching the series with him in it. I wish so badly I didn't have these questions, whether it was just I straight up knew he wasn't Cherokee and I could just be like, well, that sucks. I don't know if I like him as a person, but his performance was good. Or I could know he was Cherokee for a fact and be so excited, so excited to see that representation and seeing him do so well. But unfortunately, whether it's due to poor PR or because he a little liar, I don't have those answers. And I really just, it is so disappointing that I don't. And I really didn't want to have to come on here and seem, I don't know, hypocritical and be like, well, I suggested that but the best representation is authentic representation. And then coming here and saying he was great, but I also can't lie because that's dishonest. He was great. That's all I can say. He, along with Iroh, were the brightest points of those first two episodes, and he continued to be top tier the entire season. There it is. Moving on to Team Honor, Zuko and Iroh. Speaking of top tier, let me give this man his flowers. Paul Sunhyung Lee was perfect. He was perfect as Iroh. Absolutely encapsulated the spirit of Iroh. He was giving us laughs, line delivery. He was giving us a range. You know that switch up Iroh can do from very like serious to, oh, what a goofy old man. He's all of our uncles. Like Paul, Paul, are you watching? I love you, man. You did that. Story-wise, writing-wise, they do give us more layers to his character sooner than the original series that I can remember. I want to go back and rewatch because I was like, this feels earlier than it was. And I was a little worried. I'm like, does that mean we're going to be so heavy-handed throughout the series? That was not the case. It absolutely serves his arc. The way they get into his background, they start hinting at his character. Let me, let me tell you, his arc in conjunction with Zuko's, no real spoilers, but it will help as you watch to keep a tissue or two ready. That's all I'll say. Just keep one or two nearby. Just a case. Speaking of Zuko, mind you, Dallas 
Dallas Liu, who plays Zuko, is also a star, especially in the latter half of the season. You really could see his range. In the first half of the season, I was like, okay, he's good. I have no complaints. I wasn't like blown away personally with his performance. It could be because he was getting outshined by Iroh and Sokka and Aang. You know, I did talk about the writing of both his and Iroh's arcs right in the first few episodes there was a bit weaker for me. So that could also be why. I don't think it's a knock on him to say I wasn't really seeing him as a standout at first, but later in the season, you really get to see his full range. Like full disclosure, Zuko is probably one of my favorite characters in all of Avatar of all time, which is saying something because as you all know, y'all are here. Avatar has such a cast of characters. I have so much love for the entire cast of characters of Avatar, but Zuko, he's special to me. So the fact that there was an episode where I had to pause because I just felt like this is the live action version of Zuko. Like if I imagined a live action Zuko, this is what I would imagine. He really understands the character. You can tell. And just like the animated show in the first season, you do feel occasionally when Zuko is on screen, like, ugh, this guy, why? Please, Zuko, please. I, oh my gosh, you're so insufferable sometimes in the way that he was in the first season. Like he really captured that. But like I said, he's got that range. And what's more is he's able to emotionally hold his own with an actor such as Paul. Like they are not outshining each other. He is beat for beat, lockstep with Paul. And that really shows his range. And not to mention like their chemistry is just, that's his uncle. Like they must be related. Like I know they're not, but like Or are they? Is that really his uncle? It might be. Honestly, whoever did the chemistry read for those two, jail. Go to jail. You know what you did. Also, I didn't mention this with Ian, though I should have. Both of these boys' martial arts skills, like we know from, you know, pre-production teaser stuff that they both are martial artists, they really shine. They do come through. They were important. Like, you can tell when they are in their combat scenes that this is natural for them. Of course, they both trained in styles different than the ones that they are performing, but very natural. I wanted to highlight that. Next is the Bad Girls Club, which is Azula, May, and Ty Lee. I call them the Bad Girls Club because I have a shirt with them on it, and it's the Bad Girls Club. I love it. So Azula, the new material is great, and Elizabeth Yu performs it well. I saw a whole lot of noise. Okay, you know what? I said I wasn't responding to the haters, but real quick, give me this. I saw a whole lot of noise online about her blue flames. Y'all were, y'all were lighting up the timeline because of these dang blue flames. <sighs> oh, brother. This is not really the energy I want for this episode because we're just trying to determine based on all your favorites, like, does this still apply to you? Or are you going to subtract a point? But I was baffled. Why are y'all so mad that she can't immediately do blue flames? Like, hello? Azula is a character that is famously undeveloped in the original. Like, there are Azula stands. Folks love her. They ride for her and decry how the story treated her in the end, in the original series. I won't spoil it, just in case there are a few people watching who haven't seen Avatar, but like, we, we, we've been said. We've been said we want more for Azula. We want more digging into her psychology and all of that. And like this post said, we have to acknowledge the original is not flawless. And Azula is a great example of that. We are hindering our enjoyment of extra canon media new media when we don't acknowledge that. Like they didn't do Azula justice and that's okay to acknowledge because now we're getting a story that is giving us Azula depth. We're getting the Azula depth we wanted, but now we're mad because it doesn't match a show. Why would we want it to match a show? We didn't like how they did it in the first place. Like, hello, what do you mean? What do you mean? In the original show, despite having the same parents as Zuko, she is not given the same leeway, the same explanations, the same digging. So we're getting that. This means that they do have to expand her arc, which means not starting from where she is in season two, when she actually shows up. We have to show what she was doing 
doing in season one. I don't understand the upset. It's really, really good. Elizabeth Yu is really, really good. Like, Azula Stan, stand up. Stand up. This is our time. What do you mean? Ah! So May and Tai Lee, because they're introducing the Fire Nation and like these other, these characters earlier in the series, we do see May and Tai Lee. We don't get a lot of them. They're kind of just around. I did want a bit more from May, but you know, it's early and she didn't have too many lines. Tai Lee had a little bit more, I think, to work with and she felt like Tai Lee to me. She was cute and bubbly and her voice was right, if that makes sense. And so, you know, I'm happy. I'm happy enough with them. I did see some comments about their appearance, but I'm gonna get to that in a little bit. How about that? We're, we're gonna skip ahead. Next, a standout that I wanna to touch on. You're probably not gonna care about He's not going to decide if you watch the show or not. I know, but I do need to talk about Zhao because this man's is awful. And I mean that as the highest compliment. I mean, as a highest compliment, because I didn't mention him in when I was talking about, you know, people who saved those first couple episodes. But Kin Lung absolutely was one of those. Uh, he made the character absolutely his own while feeling just as insufferable as his animated counterpart. That man sucks. <laughs> and like, shout out to Ken because you did that. I also like the changes in this character because there are changes to his storyline, I would say more than, well, the storyline changes do affect his character. So yeah, there are slight changes to his character that I think really serve the storyline and serve other characters. Like he feels more enmeshed in what's going on. I don't know if politically is a real word. Well, genocide, okay. Yeah, that's political. So yes, I guess he's more enmeshed politically in what's going on and served other characters arcs. So I really like that. And lastly, we have to talk about our Fire Lord because as you know, the Z in Ozai is for Zanny. I know he's committed war crimes. I know that. I do. Trust me, I do. But when he's on screen, I just kind of think we should hear him out a little bit. Just like a little, like a little, just for a second. Like what's he got to say about it? Because he's so Daniel Day Kim and the fact that he knows he knows. Okay, I'll 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 rein it in. In all seriousness, Daniel Day Kim is doing the dang thing. He is. Uh, I know they're endeavoring as a production to give Ozai more depth and motivation, but it's Daniel Day Kim's delivery of all this material that is really bringing it all home. He is playing such a wide range of emotion and so subtly beyond what's on paper. It's really a stunning performance. Besides him being a zaddy, I am absolutely enjoying the extra material they're giving him and the material would be good regardless but it's his performance that is really elevating it and as for what is on paper as far as the material I like it I like it I like giving Ozai more depth there isn't really I wouldn't say there's more nuance because there's not like genocide is very much still genocide within the in the realm of the show we are not apologizing for that or making it seem like he's right in any way it's just he was a very one-note villain in Avatar. That was also a common complaint with the original series for those who are like, it's not necessarily perfect. He's just a villain to be a villain, really. And they're changing that up. And I'm very interested to see how that's going to develop from here. So if you were like, I saw clips of Daniel Day Kim and that was really speaking to me. Yes, yes, very much so. Yes, very much so. More than any of the changes, I am glad we are getting a man who went to the Thranduil School of Serving. If you know, you know. So a quick note, on some critiques I've seen about how some of these actors don't look the part that I've seen throughout this process. I've seen them when the casting was originally announced and I've seen them dropping as people are going through this series. People have had some 
less than nice things to say about how many of these characters appear. Like I get saying I pictured Katara looking a different way or that's not really how I pictured Gyatso looking. But what I can't understand is when you're getting mean about it and where is that coming from? And what did you expect them to look like? Like I have no proof of this and this is definitely a bigger conversation but I do wonder if we are putting our Eurocentric beauty standards our expectations of Eurocentric beauty standards onto these very much not white animated characters like I haven't had time to dig into this or to research this and I don't really have knowledge on hand to dive deep into it right now but I just really want us to take a moment to encourage folks who are upset with how these characters look to interrogate that because what what were you expecting Tylee and May to look like? Like, why does Sokka, who has, frankly, the most cartoonish features out of everyone, like, I don't even mean that rude to Ian Owsley, like, he just has very distinct features that I think lend himself to this type of adaptation. Like, what about when you saw him made him not a good fit? And why does Gowan Dio work as Katara, but not Dallas as Zuko? Like, people were actually trying to argue on the timeline that Dallas doesn't look like Zuko. And, you know, maybe people have valid answers to these questions. I don't know. If so, great. Love that for you. I just think it's always good to be interrogating our biases as a habit. It's a healthy habit to question ourselves and be like, why do I think that actually? What is it about that? Like, the only thing I can say negative about this casting, honestly, is is the Ian Owsley controversy and it's not really casting, but why does Zuko's scar look like that? Why? Anyway, okay, that was a lot about the characters. If you made it through these character tidbits and your skin isn't itchy, you get to keep a point. If you're looking at your screen with a frown, stuck on what I said about your favorite character here, probably subtract one point. So number three, you're going to subtract a point if for you, when you see a shiny cool new world, you want to really take your time to explore it. So the locations were some of my favorite parts to see in this live action adaptation. However, we don't really spend enough time in them to appreciate the world bending work that had been done on these sets and backgrounds with costuming, etc. Some folks may find this more frustrating than I do. Like I don't have anything negative to say about the world themselves, just that there's not a lot of time spent in them. That said, all of the places we visit, Wolf's Cove, Southern Era Temple, Agna Kella, Omashu, the Fire Nation, all of them stunning. There are some places where the special effects were not special effects seeing the way that you might hope, but overall they were doing the dang thing. I was very much enjoying getting to see depth to this world that up till now has just been 2D animated backgrounds. This is one of the things that live action thrives in and I was so excited to be able to see this world in three dimension is just Oh, because you can try and imagine, you read fan fiction, you look at fan art, but there's nothing like being able to see it with your own eyes. And I think they delivered really well on that. I just cannot wait to see more locations in the series. I cannot see what else they do to really flesh out this world really is what they're doing. I would love to see more behind the scenes on who they consulted to develop these worlds, how they developed the look and the feel of each place. Like I love behind the scenes like that. Give me the Lord of the Rings extended edition behind the scenes situation. I would eat it up. So if you can accept not being able to linger in these great locations, you get to keep a point. If you know this is going to irk you, subtract a point. Number four, we are going to talk about the costuming to the best of my ability, who doesn't know much about costuming. If you actually were hoping for more intricate, elevated or realistic costumes, if that's something you look for, you are going to subtract a point. You might've seen this being talked about after the premiere, reviews were coming out, people who went to the premiere were speaking on it. The costumes are, they're crispy. It's a bit off-putting at first, I won't lie. At first, it was one of my main critiques as I was going through the first episode. Uh, some people set, have described it as 
because the costume's not looking lived in enough. But then at some point during the first episode, there was a scene of the Southern Water Tribe that made me have the thought, wait, this feels like a deliberate creative choice because the crispiness in particular felt especially true for the costumes that were more based in animation. So those are like the main cast, the secondary cast, like the background characters that I saw did look a bit less crispy, but the main cast especially seemed crispy. So I was like, is this a creative decision? My theory then became that this was a deliberate choice to help ensure the tone remained lighter and more evocative of its animation roots to help it from leaning too dark and dire like a Game of Thrones or the Lord of the Rings. And then after I watched the first episode, I did go on Twitter just to see like, are we all excited? And I saw this tweet with a side-by-side of the live action movie. Sorry to assault your eyes. <laughs> and that sealed it for me. I do think this was a creative decision for those reasons that I just stated. And after I realized that, it was kind of like reading a book and having to adjust to the new tone. Like when you pick up a Jane Austen book, it might take a chapter or two to adjust to the Regency era language. But once you do, you barely notice it. And if anything, it enhances the story. That's what the costuming felt like to me. That said, while I did feel over time, I'm like, no, this was a creative decision. And I actually think the creative decision is helping. Uh, There were times when I wanted more from the costuming. It just was not giving what I wanted, even with me understanding the potential creative reasoning behind that decision. Like I can appreciate simplicity as a stylistic and functional choice, especially given all that's going on. Like you don't want the screen to be too busy because it absolutely could have been. It's just that the world felt so dynamic, like finally seeing it in 3D that the costumes felt comparatively extra flat in some of these scenes. It also meant that they did sometimes feel lower budget than perhaps they were. Like, I don't really know much about costuming. I do love watching (laughs) YouTubers who cover this type of stuff and who have expertise in this type of stuff, but I do not. But I have to imagine that costumes that are bright colors and simple cuts can often read cheaper, whether or not they are. So to elevate them is probably very difficult. And there was also the wigs. We have to talk about the wigs a little bit. I don't want to drag them. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what I don't know. I don't know who is doing the wigs, but especially Grand Grand wig and Yue's wig, they were not. That's what I'll say. They were not. (laughs) There is a thread that I'll share here about wigs and how they're made and the different types of wigs, specifically dealing with Yue's wig. And, you know, take from that what you will. The wigs were not. All that said, if you can let yourself adjust to the costume direction, you may keep a point. If this type of costuming is going to keep taking you out of the story, take away a point. Number five is about those special effects that I kind of mentioned a little bit before. You are very particular about special effects, like very particular. If this is you, you're going to subtract a point. People mentioned in those initial reviews that we talked about, you know, where they're mentioning the not lived in quality of the clothes. They also were talking about the special effects and noting that there were special effects issues. And it's true. Not all the special effects are winners. But for me, a show that is so steeped in effects, even a show that's as high a budget as this one is just going to have to cut corners. Like I understand that. So when it was happening, I wasn't like immediately upset about it. More so I am worried about, okay, if these effects are looking rough, is it a decision to balance the budget or are all of them just going to be not done well? And I was very pleased to see that where they decided to hold back really lent itself to where they didn't. So where the effects count the most, they were good. They did not hold back. And I think for me personally, I'm okay with a few of the effects being like, oh, as long as 
the big moment. The characters that matter the most are looking how we hope. It does mean, however, unfortunately, that sometimes Appa and Momo, but especially Momo for some reason, suffer from direwolf syndrome. Like, where are they? Tune into the next episode to possibly find out. That said, when, again, like the effects matter most, they absolutely delivered. Momo and Appa look fantastic. So if it meant seeing less of them, I guess I prefer them to look good rather than seeing them more and them look bad. So that's my takeaway. And if you're nodding along thinking that's understandable, keep a point. If you're already pre-cringing at the potential green screen detection, subtract a point. Number six is a bit niche. It's for my girlies, non-gendered girlies, who for them, shipping slash romantic arcs are the main facet of your interest or fandom. This is going to be ever so slight spoilers if you haven't seen Avatar The Last Airbender at all and have no reference for shipping culture and canon otherwise. So if that's you and you don't want to hear anything about that, you can go to this timestamp. But for the rest of us, if you've seen my previous videos, I have said that I would be completely fine if they skipped the romance in the show because for me, Katang, that is Katara and Aang, did not feel earned in the original series. And that's just for me. I know people vehemently <laughs> disagree. Uh, and then when it came out from the showrunner that they were changing the proposed timeline to kind of fit A, the character's aging and not having to worry about that, I was more open to the idea of having romance because I think they could develop it more slowly and flesh it out in a way that felt earned. But apparently all of this was moot because there are no hints in at all in season one of this show at romance for Aang or Katara, nor for Zuko and May. though I will say that could be a byproduct from the fact that we're introducing May early, so maybe that'll come later, but no hints whatsoever, just mum's the word on that. And if that's a big part of your fandom, that might be upsetting for you. But maybe you're like, what about Sokka and his romantic arcs? He does get his romantic beats. And if anything, I will say, I think his charm is much better utilized here than the original, which is not to say the original did this poorly. I just think Ian's performance, the slight tweaks in writing really nail home. Like, I get why the girlies were <laughs> falling out from my man Sokka. Yup. Yeah same. Literally, I I get it. I get it, girls. I do. And I shouldn't say there's no romance for Katara. There's no romance that is viable for Katara. How about that? So if you're grumbling at this turn of events, I'm sorry for your loss and subtract a point. If you don't really care or even skipped here because this is the time stamp I give you, keep a point. So we've gone through all of that. Now let's tally up our points and find out if you should watch Avatar on Netflix. I'll give you a moment to pause, do the math. Uh, math's not my strong suit, so take a moment. Okay. Let's break it down. If you were left with one to three points, this show is probably not for you. And that's okay. Not everything is for everyone. And the best news is the animated show is also available on Netflix. So you can rewatch to your heart's content. And if that's not enough, you were like, yeah, but I wanted something new for me too. Get into the fan works. There, this is such a lively fan culture. The fact that it's been alive and well for how long, how long has it been? 15 years plus? No, okay, I don't want to do the math. It'll make me feel old. Never mind, never mind. We're not doing the math. <laughs> the fact that it's been such a thriving fandom for so long is a testament. So there's a lot to get into. Get into the fan fiction, the fan art, the fan films, the fan comics, the podcast. Hi, you're here. Get into all of that. Or if you're like, that's never really been my thing. I'm uncomfortable. I don't know what that is. <laughs> you can also explore the extra canon material. I highly recommend the Kyoshi Book Duology by FCE. They get into that, let me tell you what. So don't sweat it too much about this live action. It is exciting and I wish everybody could see it, but oh well, it's fine. If you scored four to five points, watch three episodes. Watch episodes one, two, and three. If after that it hasn't caught you, 
see my previous recommendations. Remember that this is an opportunity to experience the world of Avatar in a new way. That's something to be pumped up about. Like, don't go in sad, like, oh, I don't know. I got four to five points. <laughs> Get excited. It's a new way to experience it. And if after three episodes, you're like, yeah, no, well, you gave it a try. That's fun. And you know, whatever the imperfections are that stand out to you that keep you from going past three episodes, if so, you can always start an animated series rewatch. That is that is my go-to. And you know what? For those of us who are watching it, we may also do a rewatch. So I think this is just a come up no matter where you fall on this scorecard. But if you do watch it and you get past episode three, come back and let me know. And let me know if I was correct. If episode three, you were like, yep, I'm in. I would love to know. If you scored six points, if you got to keep all your points, first of all, I appreciate you watching up to this point because I assume maybe you already knew what it was. Maybe you already watched it. Maybe I'm not sure. Or maybe some of my own perceptions were able to sway you into the six point range. Maybe you were hearing the points and you were like, yeah, I really do like shipping. But then hearing me talk about it, you were like, okay, I'll keep the point. In which case, good news, you should absolutely watch. I can't believe you haven't watched it yet. Stop this video. No, I'm just kidding. I need to watch time. Watch to the end and then go watch it all on Netflix. You don't have to binge it all in one setting unless that's your thing. Do it. Whatever you want to do, go watch it. It is it's a good time. You should go watch it. So how did you do? Where did you score? Where did you land? Maybe you scored in a range that you felt differently about. Maybe you were like, I really thought I was going to be somebody who should watch this. Or maybe you scored poorly, but just what I talked about, you're like, but I'm still kind of curious. By all means, follow your instincts. Remember that we, myself included, look at the opinions of our favorite content creators who we generally agree with and think, oh, well, glad they figured that out for me when it comes to media. And Honestly, as well-spoken or well-meaning our favorite creators are, they we, we can't tell you what stories you'll enjoy or what will resonate with you. Like, I can't tell you that. So follow your instincts. Hopefully this at least helped give you some extra information to take with you on your live action journey, whether it be very long or very, very short. And with that, that's all I have for you today. Thank you so much for watching up to this point. If you did, go ahead and just give the video a little like. It doesn't hurt. It helps me in the algorithm and I appreciate it very much. Let me know in the comments below how you felt about the live action. If you watched it, did you like it? Did you love it? Something else? We can also continue the conversation on socials. You can follow me on Twitter and IG at Delia's Typing. This pod also has some socials at GangPod. That's gang as an ang with two A's. I'll be back soon with some shorter but more spoilery episodes, analyzing some storytelling decisions and maybe even some specific episodes. I may even have a guest or two from my own game. So stay tuned. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss anything. And I will see you all around. Yep, yep. And gang, gang.